So prequel is what we're talking about, all the stories that came before the Christmas story, stories that will help us understand, appreciate, love, and be impacted by the Christmas story all the more. Again, my name is Dion Garrett. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to share this message with you today. Please pray with me. Father, we uh, thank you so much for this time of year. Christmas is so close. We thank you for the joy. We thank you for the anticipation. We thank you for the generosity and all of the great things that are shown this time of year. But Father, we pray now, we pray that you would help us to, to understand this story, to take hold of this story on a, on a deeper level, that you would in, just enlighten us, that you would teach us, that you'd speak to us, that we would hear from you, and that we'd leave this place knowing that you were here, you were present, and that you spoke to us. God, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first I have to say, Curtis Finch Jr., what a, what a powerful voice, yeah? It's, man. Awesome. And, and the thing is, it's interesting to me that we as, as people, we love to gather around powerful voices. Not just singers, not just artists, but, but we love to gather around powerful voices. And, and this has been true not just today, but it's been true since ancient times. In fact, in ancient times, there, there were designated people, people whose voices were powerful, people of, of insight people of wisdom, people of perspective, they were often called sages, people of profound wisdom or, or seers or prophets, um, people that you might think of sort of like this, like, you know that guy? Gandalf, right, from The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. Yep, Gandalf. Um, so he's, you know, kind of a, a picture of, of what people of old might have thought of as a sage. Uh, closer to modern times, you might know this guy. Who's that? Mr. Miyagi, right? Danielson. Yeah, Mr. Miyagi, catching the fly and the chopsticks. Uh, Mr. Miyagi's voice of wisdom to shape young Danielson, right? Uh, to be a karate kid. Uh, that's kind of what we think of when we think of sages. But, but I would say that, that sages are more present than that in our modern life. That, that sages are more present than ever before in history. They look a little different, but there are still these voices that we tune into, voices of power and influence, wisdom and insight that we cling to for perspective and understanding. People like this, you know, Glenn Buck on one side, uh, Pierce Morgan on the other, right? I mean, some of you listen to these people every day, people who you expect to give you perspective, insight, wisdom. There are other voices, though, too, not just serious news ones. Um, we got John Stewart and Jimmy Fallon, yep, uh, so funny guys, but also guys with, with incredible perspective, uh, commentary on our culture. Stephen Colbert could be up there too, just incredible voices for our day. It's not just limited to men, of course, powerful women's voices. I mean, Oprah Winfrey's been a voice for decades now. She still is a powerful voice. Uh, on the right, Glennon Melton. I don't know if you know that name, Glennon Melton. Does anyone know that name? Glennon. She, uh, she writes a blog called... Monastery, is there any, you know the blog Monastery now? Y'all are lying, because you know what? I can get on Facebook, and I know how many of you have liked her page. And so if, uh, if, if, you, um, if you don't know who she is, chances are you've got a sister, you've got a daughter, you've got someone who loves her, uh, because she's a powerful voice for women in our culture right now, and especially moms. You, you see, more than ever, we've got voices. I mean, I, I could go all morning just naming voices that we have turned into celebrities, we've made them famous, all because they're a voice of power or influence or insight. 
voices of wisdom speaking to us in our world. And, and the reason we, we grab onto these voices, the reason we clamor for voices like this, is because we're all eagerly listening for voices that will help us with life's many decisions. Right? I mean, life is overwhelming in the number of decisions that we have. We've got more choices than ever, and we've got opportunities, and sometimes it's hard to know whether an opportunity is a blessing or it's going to be a temptation. You felt that before. It's hard to even know what to do in life, how, how, to, how to step in a way that will be wise and fulfilling, and so we look for voices that will help us do that. We look for voices that will help us make sense of the world around us because the world is crazy, and we don't always know what to make of that, and it seems kind of scary for us, and so if, if someone can speak some words of insight or understanding about what's going on in the world, we tend to listen to those voices. We, we look for voices that will give us courage and boldness because we all experience insecurity. And uh, I, I think this is what makes a lot of these people famous. It's not that they're always right. It's just that they're bold and they're courageous and they say what they believe or what they know with a kind of courage that inspires us because we're so insecure. We're all clamoring for voices that will get us I mean, I, I think this is really true that, that sometimes the reason you connect with a voice out there in the culture is because that voice is speaking things that you've always kind of thought. Or it's articulating things that you have tried to say before, but maybe not, you're not able to say them so well. And so there are these voices out there that speak the things that we kind of have been mulling around in our heads and our, in our hearts, and they validate us. They, they speak things that we've always thought or wondered about, and, and that's kind of like validation to say, hey, I'm not the only one, and, and I think we love voices that do that. We love voices that help us understand ourselves, why we think and feel the way we do, why, you know, what's going on inside of us and how to become better people, and ultimately, we look for voices that will tell us the truth. See, I don't care who you are, we all want to know the truth. We all realize it's important to know the truth. We all clamor for the truth, and so we, we, we find voices in culture who will do these things for us. And even though we know that they're short-sighted, and they're limited, and they're fallible, and they're sometimes even self-interested, sometimes we, we know they're just kind of using us to get famous, still we listen. Why? Because it's too hard to go through life without these things being answered, these questions, these issues being addressed. And so even if the voices are imperfect, we'll settle for them. Because it's better than nothing. Now I want you to imagine for a second what it would be like if instead of listening to Glenn Beck or Oprah or Jon Stewart, if you could take all of these questions, all of these issues to God himself and God would speak directly into your life about all these things. I mean, that, 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 would, that would help a lot, right? I mean, that would take a lot of the guesswork out of life and that would really bring a lot of clarity and understanding and get rid of a lot of confusion, wouldn't it? Well, well here's what's crazy. There was actually a time in human history when God offered to do this for people directly. Not through a mediator, but, but directly. God offered to answer all these questions, to give explanations, to give all this insight. He offered to give this to humanity. And, and do you know what they did when he made that offer? They turned him down. Now, we can track along with the story in Exodus 19. Um, you don't have to look at it now, but that's where it's found. And uh, Exodus 19 takes place shortly after God rescues the Israelites out of Egypt. He, he rescues them from slavery because God says, I don't want my people to be enslaved. Uh, and so he says, I, I've, got, I've got a plan for them. I've got a hope. I've got a future. I've got promise for them. And so he goes into Egypt and he brings them out in a miraculous way. He sets them free. And then he brings them into the wilderness and they're led by his servant Moses. 
And they, uh, they come out into the wilderness, and God talks to Moses one day, and this is what he says to Moses. He says, Moses, um, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to have the people consecrate themselves for three days. That means they're going to wash their clothes, they're going to abstain from certain activities, they're going to get their hearts and their minds and their bodies ready, and what's going to happen at the end of three days, Moses, is I'm going to come down and I'm going to meet with my people. I'm going to make an introduction to them of, of who I am. And they're going to see me and they're going to know me. And I'm going to explain to them what my plans are for them and who I am and what I want for them. And so Moses says, okay, great. And he goes and he tells the people. And the people, of course, are excited because they're going to be able to meet the God who saved them. The God who rescued them from the slavery. The, the God who loves them. They're, they're going to meet that God and they're going to hear from him. And so they, they wash their clothes. They get ready. They do everything over this three-day period. And then the third day comes. And Moses gathers all the people at the, at the base of this mountain, this mountain called Sinai, or Horeb. It's kind of known by two different names. And they gather around the base of this mountain, and uh, their clothes are washed, and they're ready. But then things start to go a little crazy. Because the mountain gets covered with this thick smoke. It just descends on the top of this mountain. And then thunder and lightning start all over the place. And there's even trembles, the tremors, the, uh, the, the earth begins to quake. And then there's this loud, alienating, just, you know, tornado siren kind of trumpet blast thing that's going on in the background. And, and the people, they, they hear this, they see this, and they start to rethink this whole, wouldn't it be great to hear from God thing. I'll show you what happens in Exodus 20. It says, when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet... Now, if you've ever had a middle schooler in your house, no offense, middle schoolers, if you've ever had a middle schooler in your house learning to play a brass instrument, you know the terror of the sound of a trumpet, right? So, um, so there's thunder and there's lightning and there's trumpet uh, blaring in the background and they see this and they hear this and they saw the mountain in smoke. They trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance. And they said to Moses, hey, speak to us yourself and we'll listen to you, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Now, I don't know where they got this idea from. We, we, we will die like God brought them out of Egypt to speak to them so that they could all die? He rescued them so they could die? Of course not. That's not what God was going to do. But, but they were just so overwhelmed by the glory of God that, that they're going, no, no, no way. We can't handle this. And yet here's their chance. Here's their chance to meet God. Here's their chance to have God speak into their lives all the things that every person who's ever lived wants to know. And so Moses, he, he, he challenges them and he says, no, 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 guys, don't squander this opportunity. He says, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. He's just saying, hey, God is showing off and he's trying to scare you a little bit just to sober you so that, so that you take his words seriously, but, but, but don't push him away. But, but the people aren't having that. It says the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So you get this picture of the people just standing back. And Moses travels up to the mountain. And, and this sentence speaks volumes. The people think, there's, there's no way we can do this. We don't want to hear from God. We thought we did. But it turns out it's way too scary. We'd rather hear from somebody else. Even if it's not as good. And, and I just want to pause and check in with you for a minute. To make sure you're tracking, because I know when I tell these stories that happened long ago, and I'm only trying to get to the heart of the matter, sometimes you can lose context, but is this all making sense to you so far? Not if so? Okay. Six of you are like, got it. 
the rest of you are like, when's Curtis coming back out? Seriously. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the story I hope you understand, but, but do you understand deeper really what's going on here? I mean, just, just think for a second. Now just, just, just let this soak in for a moment. Like, what would it be like if you could directly hear from God? If you, if you could call him up like you would a friend and sit down and talk to him and, and hear from him. Now, I know we hear from God in his word, and, and that's powerful, and I don't want to dismiss that. And yet, and yet what, what if God could speak a direct word into your life? You know, like the next time you're confused about something, you're trying to make a decision, and you don't know what to do, and, and, and you're just perplexed. Like, like what, if, what if you could just say, God, this is what I'm thinking, and God would be like, okay, here's what you should do. Or the next time you feel stuck in life, I mean, who doesn't feel hopeless sometimes? Who doesn't feel like you're trapped and, and you've got no way to do and you can't make a decision right or wrong? It just, you're just stuck and, 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 and there's nothing to be done other than to stay stuck. And you, you know what that feels like? It's, it's awful. It's hopeless. What if the next time you felt that way, what if, what, what if you could sit down with God and, and, you, and you could tell him how you feel and he could speak a direct word of encouragement or hope or counsel to you? What if the next time you were lacking confidence and you were feeling insecure and unloved and, you know, because, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to keep people happy in our lives and, and I know that's true for me, like, I feel like if I'm, if I'm disappointing people in my life all the time, how can God ever be pleased with me? And so the next time you're feeling a lack of confidence or you're feeling unloved or you begin to question, God, how, how can you love me? Wouldn't it be great if, if you could just sit down with God and you could say, God, this is how I'm feeling. And you could hear from God's own mouth. You could hear words of encouragement and love. And you could hear him say how he feels about you. Wouldn't that be amazing if instead of hearing through someone else, if you could hear directly from God and and he could just impart truth and perspective and insight. If he could explain things to you that you don't understand and he could do that directly in your life. Do you understand that this is what Israel was being offered? But they turned God down. They declined. They said, we'd rather hear from someone else. And so God let them have their way. From then on, they would only hear from God secondhand through this guy, Moses. Now, Moses was a great leader, and he spoke faithfully for God, and, and so it was really helpful. But, but Moses started to get older, and people started to notice that Moses was getting older, and they realized that Moses wasn't going to live forever. And so as Moses got older, people got more and more unsettled, like, what are we going to do when Moses goes away? This guy's been speaking for God in our lives all this time, and what are we going to do without that voice in our lives? And Moses knew that they were getting uncomfortable, and so before he retired, Moses took time, and he, you know, sometimes you think Steve Hauer and I preach a long time, he preached a sermon that was an entire book of the Bible long, one sermon And it's called Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell sermon. It means like second giving of the law. And so Moses Moses said, I'm leaving. The voice of God is leaving these people. So I've got to go back and I've got to tell them everything God has ever told me to tell them. And he does in this this really long sermon. And, And so he's trying to give them something to hold on to after his voice goes away. But then right in the middle of that sermon, he explains what God is going to do Next, after he's gone, and, and this is what he says. This is in Deuteronomy 18. He says, hey, when you get into the promised land, the nations you will dispossess, the people who currently live there, they listen to those who practice sorcery and divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you 
to do so. So Moses says, hey, these people in the promised land, they're not too different than you. They're also longing to have a voice explained to them all of the important questions of life. But what they do is they turn to sorcerers and diviners. They turn to dark things, black arts, magic. And it amazes me how much today is like the people living 3,400 years ago, right? Because we don't have sorcery or divination exactly, but we've got our horoscopes and we've got astrologers and we've got dream interpretation manuals and we've got our, our magic eight balls, right? What do you want me to do, right? We've, when I was a kid, we had the, uh, we had, you remember this? We had the Psychic Friends Network, the Psychic Friends Connection. Dion Warwick, you know, that's what friends are for, right? <laughs> Trying to be your friend at $4.99 a minute to tell you the future, right? To explain to you what you should do. And people paid serious money for that stuff, right? And so these people living back then, they, they were doing the same stuff. And, and Moses says, hey, you're about to go into the promised land and my voice isn't going to be with you. And it's going to be very tempting for you to tune into other voices. But those voices are not true. They're not from God. They will not lead you to life. Don't listen to those voices, even though everyone else does. Instead, this is what Moses says. He says, uh, here's what's going to happen. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, a sage like me, from among you, from among your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb, at that mountain, on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore or we will die. Moses is saying, remember, this was your idea. This is what you asked for. And then he gives us some insight and he says, but the Lord said to me that day, as, as you were pushing the Lord away, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, what they say is good. In, in other words, fair enough, have it your way. I, I can work around this. I've got a plan. What they say is good. I, I'll deal with that. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. So God says, Moses, you're, you're going to go away, but I've got a solution after you go away. I'm going to raise up prophets, people who speak for me. And God does. You know, a bunch of years later, he raises up a guy named Samuel, one of the best prophets in the Old Testament. Another guy named Elijah and Nathan and uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Habakkuk. I mean, all these great names in the Bible, that Zephaniah, right, Zechariah, Malachi. All these prophets that he raises up, people that he puts his words on. But, but here's the problem. With Moses, the people knew he was the leader and they knew God was speaking through him. With all these other prophets, God puts a word on them. They speak to the people. And depending on whether or not the people like the message, they decide whether or not they're going to listen. And so what happens is most of these prophets who are speaking throughout time, people just tune them out. Worse than that, they mistreat them, they abuse them, they even kill them. And in the meantime, there are all these false prophets who come along. And these false prophets, they're not speaking for God at all, but they speak messages people like, and so people listen to them, but people are led astray. Do you see what a mess this all becomes? This speak through someone else thing? I mean, if, if only Israel on the mountain that day would have said, okay, God, this is scary, you're freaking us out, but, but we want to hear from you. Even so, that day, God made a promise, and he said, Moses... I've got a way 
that I'm going to speak to my people again. I'm not going to leave them without my voice because they need it too badly. And so he said, one day, Moses, I'm going to raise up a prophet. God didn't say I'm going to raise up prophets. He said, one day I'm going to raise up a prophet, the prophet. I'm going to raise up the prophet like no other. And I want to show you that this prophet has come. So in Deuteronomy 18, this is what God says. I'm going to raise up a prophet like me from among you, from among your fellow Israelites. And I want you to see what God has done. Luke chapter 2, the angels appear to shepherds in the sky at, on the day that Jesus is born. And they say, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Not just for you, but among you, from you, from Israel. God has raised up from your own people. God has raised up a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. You see, it's not just prophets. God had a plan to raise up the prophet, a prophet like no other. Back in Deuteronomy again, same verse, a different part of it. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. You must listen to him. And, and then time goes on and that baby born in Bethlehem grows up and he becomes a powerful teacher and people are asking, is this guy a prophet? Is this the one that God promised? And one day Jesus, while he's teaching, he leads three of his followers up a mountain because everything crazy happens on mountains, right? So he takes them up a mountain and these three guys are just like, okay, and they go up this mountain and while they're there, the Bible says Jesus is transfigured before them and, and his, that means his face became like lightning and his clothes became white and he's glowing and he's shining and, and then Moses and Elijah appear on either side of him, these two great prophets and his disciples are freaking out. They're like, Moses and Elijah are here. And they're like, this is amazing. Let's just hang out here with Moses and Elijah. Let's sit at their feet and hear their teaching. Because this is Moses and Elijah. These are the spokespeople from God. But, but at that moment, the voice of God thunders over them. And this is what God says. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. You see the connection? God's saying, it's, it's not going to be Moses or Elijah. I've got a prophet, the prophet, who I've raised up. Listen to him. One more place, back in Deuteronomy, God says through Moses, I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. And then in John chapter 1, this is John's account of Christmas. This is all we get. John says, the word became flesh. See that? The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you understand what God has done in Jesus? It's not just that we have a Savior, it's that we finally have the voice of God back in our lives again, directly. And it's the best of both worlds. You see, because, because you've got God, God himself speaking. You, you don't have a mediator. You don't have anything lost in translation because Jesus is, is truly God. And so he's speaking with the voice, the power, the authority, the insight of God. And yet it's the best of both worlds because God wraps himself in flesh so that we can actually hear him without freaking out and losing our minds like we did at the mountain. Right? It's God speaking but in flesh, in a way that we can understand. You see, Jesus has come not just to save us, but he's come to speak into our lives again all the things that we need most so that through Jesus, we've got help with life's many decisions. 
We've got Jesus' example, we've got his teaching, and, and as, we're, as, we're, as, we're, as we're struggling with things in life, we've got the voice of God speaking through Jesus into our lives, saying, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and everything else that you're worried about will be added to you as well. Don't chase after other things in life. If you seek first the things that God cares about, then everything else will be added to you. I mean, this voice helps us with our decisions. It helps us make sense of the world around us. Because it's not just telling us what's wrong. I mean, the problem with the world isn't just economic or political or social or relational. It's spiritual. But not only does this voice of Jesus tell us what's broken in the world, he tells us how he's all about fixing it. That as long as we are estranged from from God, this world will never be right because this world was created to have God as the backbone and the centerpiece. He's the one who can bring wholeness. He's the one who can bring peace. He's the only one who can bring fulfillment and joy. And as long as we're alienated from God, we can't have the things that we long for. So Jesus comes not just to tell us what's wrong with the world, but he came into the world to fix it, to bring us back to God. He gives us courage and boldness. I was reminded at our our school Christmas program this week that there are 365 verses in the Bible that tell us not to be afraid. One for every day of the year. Do you know how many times Jesus said those words, do not be afraid, fear not, for I am with you. Jesus is for you. He is God in human flesh, and he is for you, not against you. He is with you. He loves you. You don't have to be afraid. And, 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 and he gets us. I mean, he gets us more than anyone you know. You've had this experience in life. You're going through a hard time, and someone's trying to con- console you or give you compassion. And you're like, no, you, you see, you just don't get it. You don't understand, right? You've been there, or at least you've thought it. See, the Bible says that Jesus was tested, he was tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he did not sin. That means that when he speaks, he's not speaking as someone who doesn't understand our existence. He's been there, he gets it, he gets it more than you can believe. And so he speaks not just cold advice, he speaks with a voice of compassion and empathy. He understands, he helps us understand ourselves, he helps us understand that we are broken that we are flawed and yet we are loved and we stand forgiven, that we will not be right this side of heaven and yet we are loved for his sake. And he tells us the truth. Do you see what it means that God has provided for us, not just prophets, but the prophet like no other? It means that we, again, have the voice of God offered back to us directly. And this is what drives me crazy about Christianity today. And I include myself in that statement. It's this, that, that, that it's like we're at that mountain again. And God is inviting us to hear directly from him through Jesus. But in the same way that the Israelites refused, we do the same. Right? I mean, for some of you, you're just not even sure about Jesus yet. And, and uh And if that's you, if you're just not ready to hear this, I would just challenge you to keep looking into Jesus because the more you hear from him, the more you see him, the more you will realize that he is like no one in history. I mean, his compassion and his love, just his character is like no other. And not only that, but his words are so rich and meaningful and insightful. Just keep looking into Jesus. And I think the more you do, the more you will realize that he is a voice like no other. 
But I think for a lot of us, people who are convinced that Jesus is who God said he is, we, we still do this. We, we come to church and we listen. Except we don't nod because I just asked you to do that and you didn't. But you know, we listen quietly. And, uh, and, and then we go out into the world and we just kind of forget. Or we turn on our radios or we watch our TV sets and, and we fill our heads with other voices. Voices that matter more to us than this voice. Uh, we hear the voice of Jesus on Sundays, but we don't, we don't put it into practice Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. We don't hunger for it. I mean, for goodness sakes, we're, we're lucky, you know, if we get to church once a week because life is so busy. And this is just what makes me crazy is that we've, we've got this offer again to have God himself speak into all of the things that we need to know most in life. All of these things that we are, we are clamoring to have a voice speak to us about, a truthful voice we're just kind of apathetic. We're distant. We're, we're tuning into some other voice. And we're worshiping those voices. And we're hanging on their every word. And we're, we're reading their books. And we're listening to their commentary. And we're, we're reading their blogs. And we're soaking up their words. And their words may have value. But we're, we're, we're valuing those words greater than the word of the one who can do all of this like no other. You see why I'm frustrated? Again, myself included. Because before us today, we've got the voice of one who is truly like no other. One who has the words of life eternal. We've got one speaking who has shown us his dedication to us because he gave his life for us. We've got the voice of one who will never lead us astray, who will never fail us, who will never lie to us, who will never flake out on us when we need him most. You see, what we have offered to us through Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself put it this way one time. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You hear that? My sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them, but they don't just listen and then go and listen to a bunch of other voices the rest of the week. No, they listen to my voice and they follow me. And because of that, because they follow me, I give them eternal life, not just heaven someday, He's saying, when, when you listen to my voice, when you follow me, I will give you abundant, full life now, and it'll be so full that it goes on forever. And he says, they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. See, why would you listen to any other voice more than that voice? In the New Testament, there's another place where it says, in many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old through the prophets. But now in these last days, it says, he has spoken to us by his son. I want you to know that, that today Jesus wants to speak into your life all of the things that you long to hear. So please stand on your feet as we seek him, as we pray, and as we confess. Father, we thank you for providing Jesus for us. And Father, we acknowledge that, that so often, too often in life, we don't listen. We listen, but we don't follow. We don't put into practice. That we get swept up in the tide of other voices. And we do the bidding that other people say we should do. And, and because of that, Father, we've, we've hurt ourselves, we've hurt others. We've offended you. 
And Father, we just confess that. We confess our sin. We confess our hard-heartedness and our unwillingness to really listen. And Father, I, I pray that you not only forgive us today, but I pray that you would not ever take your voice away from us. That you would not get so tired of our, our hard-headedness and our rebellion that you just go silent. Father, never go silent. But I thank you that through Jesus, you are eternally speaking. That he is your word made flesh. And that through him, we've got the clarity, we've got the direction, we've got the explanations, we've got the, the encouragement, we've got the truth that we need most. So Father, right now we lay down our sinfulness. We confess our difficulty and our rebellion. And we pray for Jesus' sake that you would forgive us. Amen. And I've just confessed on our behalf, but if that is your 